Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hey, how is everyone? Oh, thanks. Awesome. Well, um, as you know, we're doing the theme this month is the theme of enough. And we're going to be looking at that this evening. And I hope you haven't had enough of enough. So um, it's an interesting word, uh, the word enough, and it can, it can be used in very d- different ways. Um, it can be used to express a sense of lack, that, you know, I don't have enough. Um, I'm not old enough. I don't have enough friends. Um, I haven't had enough sleep. And I don't have enough time. And so it can go from one extreme of having not enough to the other extreme of having more than enough. And that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Kind of like carrying on from Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rhonda this morning. So you might hear some similar things um, tonight. And also in, in between the extremes of not having enough and having more than enough, there's also a place of tolerance where you can have enough. I've had it up to here with you. I've had enough. I've just had enough. And that can, that can motivate you into um, fighting a cause or things like that. So enough, the word enough is quite, quite a round word. Um, you know, there have been songs written with the word enough. I know, you know, growing up hearing Michael Jackson, you know, Michael Jackson, he, um, he did a song, actually before he did that, he did um, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. And I thought that's a good song for any buffet. You know, if you've been to any Help Yourself, it's a good title song for that. There's, there was another song that came out um, by a girl, Casey somebody, and she wrote, Am I Not Pretty Enough? You know, and she was writing about um, comparison to the music industry, you know, that she didn't measure up, so to speak, and all that. Am I not pretty enough? And there was a, a movie that came out not long ago called The Greatest Showman, and there's a song there that goes, um, should get Sarah to come up? No. <laughs> um, never enough. Never enough, never, never, never enough. Hey. <laughs> Forget the voice, you know, forget the voice. There's a new program called The Noise. So, <laughs> and, you know, the Bible says, make a joyful noise, and that's exactly what that was. <laughs> so enough is what we're talking about tonight. But the songs with the word enough that I like, uh, the songs that we sing here, there was a um, song by Hillsong. Um, I think it was, um, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me, everything that I have. You know, is in him. Um, Chris Tomlin wrote a song, Your Grace is Enough. Amen. His grace is enough. And another song that we've been singing here recently, um, I Can't Get Enough of Your Amazing Love. So there's all these different extremes of enough. So tonight we're talking about enough. The title of my message is More Than Enough. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus and I thank you, Lord, for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, that with you we are more than enough, Father. 
I thank you for your presence is more than enough, Lord. I thank you for your word is more than enough. And I thank you, Father, for your purpose for our life is more than enough for us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would each receive tonight what you would have us personally receive from you through the word, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got three thoughts that I want to talk about tonight. The first one is have an E for enough faith. Have an E for enough faith to obtain more than enough faith. E for enough takes me back when I used to cruise around in my old 1981 VC Commodore with all the boys. Still driving an old Commodore. <laughs> but one time we were driving um, in Coburn around Hammond Road. We used to go um, horse riding at a place called Tappers or Browns. And we were driving back from horse riding and I'm not sure what speed I was doing, but all of a sudden a curb jumped in front of me. And of course, it landed over on top of the curb. We all jumped out, had a look, nothing was wrong, so we continued on. We, we went about two kilometres down the road and then we started putting out. We ran out of gas. We got out of the car and we could smell fumes. What had happened was we hit something and the petrol tank was leaking fuel. I didn't know what to do, but I had a friend of mine who was a bit of a bush mechanic. <laughs> he, could, he could turn anything into, you know, to help your car go. So what he did, he said, don't worry about it, brother. I'm going to go down to the nearest shop and I'm going to get some soap. Soap. And I said, I soap this works. <laughs> Sorry. So he came back. He came back with some soap. And I said, what are we going to do? Are we going to clean the car? And he said, no. So he gets underneath, underneath the car and he starts digging the soap into the, the petrol tank. There wasn't a hole, but the fuel was seeping through the tank. And what happened was he was actually forming a seal with petrol and soap. You know, just something seemingly insignificant really helped us move on. We got back into the car and I said, man, you're pretty smart. Started the car and the car wouldn't go. It didn't have enough fuel. The same brother said, don't worry, brother, I got it covered. Pops the bonnet. For those of you who don't know about old cars, there's a thing called a, a carburetor. It looks like the, the Enterprise, the Star Trek. It looks like a frying pan on the top of your engine. So what my friend does, he goes, don't worry. We're talking about E for enough. Remember, my gauge said E for empty. But my faith said E for enough. So that's what we're talking about. E for enough faith. So my friend goes, have you got a petrol um, container, a jerry can? I said, yeah, I have. Open up the boot. I got one, but it's E for enough. It's empty. And my brother said, bring it here. Had a look. And there was only about probably a couple of drops in there. So what he does, he opens up the, the carburetor and he puts a drop of the fuel into the carburetor. And for some reason, I don't know, the mechanics, Pastor Ray would definitely know, but it started up. The car fired up 
and we were able to get from a place of standstill to a place of refill. We were able to get from here to the fuel station where we, where we could get more of what we had. You see, we had just a drop, but we needed more than that. And we had enough to get from the side of the road, Hammond Road, to the petrol station to get topped up. And Jesus put it like this in Matthew 17, 20. He said, people were casting out demons and these guys were coming up to the disciples and they said, hey, the disciples can't cast out demons. This was the reply. Jesus said, it's because you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I'll tell you the truth, if you had faith, even as small as a drop of petrol, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say, you could speak, because that's how we release faith. We speak the word. You see, even if you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, nothing would be impossible. So with that mustard kind of seed, we were, ob- we were able to move from here to there. And with that little bit of soap, it enabled us to get from here to there as well. So I want to encourage you, like, you may just have an E for enough faith tonight, but I'm telling you that is more than enough to get you to a place of refilling, of topping up. Yeah. You may be here tonight, and it may, there was, it may be a result of you having an E for enough amount of faith just to get you here. When you come here, you get refilled. The presence of God tonight is amazing. The fellowship of the believers and just gathering together. This is a place where we get refilled. It's like a petrol station for us. That we all gather and we pull in here and we just fuel up. We top up because God wants to take us up. Wants to shake us up. Wants to wake us up. He wants to get us to step up because he wants us to go up. We need that E for enough. It's not empty, it's just enough to get you from the standstill to the refill. Where are you in your life? Are you at that place of a standstill? If you are in a standstill, you just need a little bit of faith to get you to a place. That could be a church, that could be, could be just meeting your friends and getting topped up. Faith is in relation to truth. It's speaking, it's believing. Mark 11 um, says a similar thing. Mark 11 and 22 to 24. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, that's speaking, you can say to this mountain, excuse me, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. So he's saying we can speak. We can speak the word of God, and it will be done. How will it be done? And then it says, but you must really believe it will happen. And have no doubt, not in your mind, but in your heart. Having no doubt in your heart. Because sometimes we can agree with a lot of Christianity but we could have doubt in our heart. We need to have faith in God, Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. But you must really believe it will happen 
and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if, it's a real strong word, a two-letter word, if, if, it's a conditional word, it's a choice word, it's up to you. If you believe that, you will receive it, and it will be yours. Let's allow our E for enough faith to get us from a place of standstill to a place of refill, to get us from here to there. So number two, so number one is have an E for enough faith. You just need a little bit of faith to ignite that faith. How do we ignite it? We act on it. We just simply act on, on our faith. Number two is our little in God's hands becomes more than enough. Our little in God's hands come, becomes more than enough. It also implies that our little, when it just remains in our hands, would only would have limitations. But if what we take that's in our hands and we put it in God's hands, it will become more than enough. Anne Murray, um, she was a country singer, um, country pop singer, early 70s and 80s. And she sang a song, it was kind of a gospel song, uh, Put Your Hand in the Hand. Anyone remember that song? You know if you say yes, you have to sing it. <laughs> you, have to, you, have to, you have to prove it. <laughs> the words are like, put your, put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. I actually wrote it down here. I won't sing it though, because that's the noise, not the voice. <laughs> put your hand in the hand of the man who, who calmed the sea. Take a look at yourself. You can look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. So what's in your hand? Is it a business? Is it a ministry? Is it a child? Is it a, a degree? Is it a course? Is it a dream? Is it a calling? What's in your hand right now? Is it staying in your hand? Or are you putting it in the hand of the man from Galilee? Because if you do, things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. If we just hold on, just, just hold on to what we do, with what we have, it's going to be very limited. But with God, all things are possible. So what's in your hand? What's in your hand? I want to just talk about a guy called Zerubbabel. Um, Zerubbabel, anyone heard of Zerubbabel? Yeah, they called him Zebs. What he was, he was a... In the Old Testament, Zerubbabel was the person that returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Just briefly, the Israelites were in captivity for many, many years. And then there was a king called Cyrus, and he said, okay, I'm going to release you guys. So the Israelites began to make their journey back to Jerusalem. Zerubbabel was amongst the first of the people to return home to Jerusalem. When Zerubbabel returned home, the prophet Haggai and the prophet Zechariah prophesied over Zerubbabel to say that you are going to basically saying that you are going to rebuild the temple. So, Zechariah, so Zerubbabel is back in Jerusalem and he now has the calling on his life to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem. It's a mighty call. And I'm going to read from Zechariah 4, 6 to 10. Then he said to me, 
This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, the prophet. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become like a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another messenger, then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. The word of God, he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of the heaven's armies has sent me. Verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begun, begin to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So he has a calling. He has a purpose to rebuild something that God wants to rebuild. Is he going to have, is he going to have opposition? Yes, he is. He said there's going to be a mountain but that mountain that stands before Zerubbabel, that obstacle that comes to try and stop the purpose of God, will be made like a plain. It will be, it will be cut down. How is he going to rebuild something like, like the temple? It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. What do you have in your hand that God wants you to do, that God wants you to rebuild? Is there opposition? There's going to be opposition. There's going to be mountains. Jesus said on oh, the book of James, count it all joy when you face various trials. How are you going to do it? Not by might, not by power, not by great ideas, but by his spirit, says the Lord. And then he says, do not despise the small things. Do not despise the things of small beginnings. I just want to use this passage of scripture as a, as a backdrop, so to speak. And then it says in the last line, For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. So what's in Zerubbabel's hand? It's a plumb line. The plumb line is simply a string tool. It's a piece of string that has a weight on the end and it's used to try and uh, make a vertical wall. For example, if I, if I was trying to build a wall from the roof down to here, I would get the plumb line, the string, wrap it up, and I would climb up there, and I would measure from the wall to about maybe eight metres this way, and then I would put a nail in the roof, I would attach the string, and then I would drop the string with the weight and then the weight would come down. I would wait for gravity to take its place to center the string line. You get what I'm saying? That way, when I put up the wall, the wall is going to be exactly the same um, measurement from the wall to here and from here to here, if you know what I mean. It's a plumb line. So all that to say, when Zerubbabel had the plumb line in his hand, it was signifying to the people that were watching that he was now ready to begin to rebuild the temple. 
He's now ready to begin to reconstruct that which God is calling him to do. That which God is calling him to do that will have opposition. But it will be achieved not by might, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. And he's also saying that, but I want you, because it's going to be a new work, because it's going to be something you're going to do again, I want you to not despise the days of small beginning. That word despise means to undervalue. I don't want you to undervalue this, this work that I'm giving you to do. Even though he had a lot of opposition. If you read in the book of Haggai and Ezra, there was opposition to the building, the rebuilding of the temple. People thought it was insignificant now. People came against him. And just like that very thing that's in your hand, that God has put in your heart to get into your hand, that others will be blessed, that he will be glorified, you will have opposition. But God wants to take that thing in your hand. He wants you to, whatever that is in your hand, to put it in the hand of the hand of the man from Galilee. Because he wants you to begin to build that thing with its family, with its business, ministry, whatever it is, to build it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Unless God builds a house, we labor in vain, they that build it. And God wants to really build that thing that's in, that God's placed in your heart. He really wants to see it. Why? Because people's eternity are hinged on that call, on that purpose, on that idea. How little in God's hand will become more than enough. We live in a society, as we are well aware, that we, we honour the great we esteem the big. We look to the famous. We pay millions and millions of dollars to people who can hit a little ball into a hole. We pay millions and millions of dollars to someone who can knock someone out. You know, we pay ridiculous amounts of money and we honour talent. And yet God is all about don't despise the days of small beginnings. And you know, and there's less attention on the seemingly small things. Small things like just saying hello to somebody, acknowledging somebody, returning that shopping trolley from the car park. The seemingly small things like if you've got children, your children taking the initiative to go outside and sweep the front footpath, taking initiative to, to do jobs, taking the initiative to help people without any strings attached. The seemingly insignificant things that the world does not value. The world despises those things. But we are called to not despise the little things, not despise the days of small beginnings. We value the, the seemingly small things because there's greatness in the small things. Small things matter in a big way. There's a saying that says, um, if you think you're too big, to do small things, then you're too small to do big things. In other words, if you, if you think you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. God is about the small. It's about seed. Now, if you don't believe me that small things are very important and... Um, you know, they're not to be despised. I've got something here. Oh, what's this? <laughs> Remote control. It's a small thing. I bet you when you're at work, you never think about the remote control. 
It's never on your mind. But when you're, when you're watching State of Origin this week and you can't find the remote control, you will turn over the house, you will lift up every couch that hasn't been moved in 40 years to look for this because now you are not despising the small things. Now you are valuing the small things. Because I tell you what, during State of Origin this week, Pastor Jeff's not here. I needed this to turn it off before it ended. <laughs> We're in mourning, Pastor Ray. <laughs> we, need this, <laughs> we need the small things. But you know what? I might find the remote. Oh, no, I found it, guys. I got it. I got it. Oh, no batteries. So you need batteries. Don't despise the small things. You need this. When you're at work, you're not going to think about the batteries. When you're driving your car, you're not going to think about this guy either. You need them. Don't undervalue the seemingly small things. And dare I do the next one. Your bathroom may be very flash. You may have flat screens in there. You may have a golden throne. But one thing you will never think about when you're at work, and you wouldn't, is this. <laughs> this is gold. This is gold, guys. <laughs> you're laughing now, but if you're sitting in the most flashiest, plushiest bathroom in the whole world, and you walk in and you don't see that, that's all you're going to think about. <laughs> Small things matter. What's in your hand? No, someone go there. <laughs> I'll put it away. Sorry, guys. Small things matter. What's in your hand after you wash it? (laughs) I'll move along. I'll move along. So our little in God's hands becomes great, becomes more than enough in his hand. The Bible speaks of many occasions where the seemingly insignificant became powerful when used for God's purpose. Example, Pastor Jeff, awesome message last Sunday, talked about the stones of David um, and how he picked up five stones from the bottom of the, of the river and how they were smooth. And they weren't just smooth overnight. It took many, many years. And then it came one day when that stone was ready to be used for God's purpose. You know, the stones... Moses had a staff. He had an accountant, he had a treasurer. Moses had a rod. And God, it was seemingly insignificant. It was just a stick. But God used it to deliver his people. God used that staff to open the Red Sea and mobilize them to the promised land. Seemingly insignificant small thing a stone, a stick. Giving a cup of cold water. In Jesus' name. Visiting the people in prison. Visiting those in hospital. If you do it to the least of them, we've done it unto the Lord. Seemingly small things. Seemingly small things. Feeding the poor. Having a mustard seed faith. That little bit of faith. Little bit of petrol. The lady that gave the two coins. She gave her all. Seemingly small, but powerful. Disciples ask Jesus, who's the greatest? It's like the children. Become like the the children. In other words, humble yourselves. 
And I like this one. Samson. Samson and the jawbone of a donkey. I love that one. There's this donkey. Pretty healthy donkey. The donkey lives for many years. And then the donkey dies. And then everybody comes and eats the donkey. The animals come. Everyone finished? No. Along come the insects. They come and eat the donkey. There's now a carcass. Is everyone finished? No. Now the maggots come. And they start chewing on it. Until there's nothing, nothing left of this carcass except for a jawbone. And then Samson comes along. And in the hand of Samson takes the jawbone and wipes out a thousand Philistines. The purpose of God, that was. So when the little in his hand was put in the hand of God, it achieved more than enough things. Like the donkey that had to die in order for it to achieve its purpose, there are some things in my life and some things in our life that need to die in order that we can have the more greater effective impact on our life. There are some things that need to starve Things of the flesh that need to starve. They need to starve to the point that they no longer breathe. And that way when they die, like the carcass, they can have its most impact for God's glory. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Often it's no longer Christ that lives, but me. But we've got to try and get to that place where it's no longer I that live. That when you look at my life, when we look at our lives, we see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that's manifested in the way we do the insignificant, seemingly little things. The little things are powerful. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says, For we talking about believers, for we are co-workers or co-laborers in God's field, in God's service. Sorry, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. So we are co-laborers with God. In order for God's purposes to be achieved throughout the earth, we have a part to play as well. We are co-laborers. God wants to get the you know, the super on the natural and the extra on the ordinary, as they say. We read about the woman with the issue of blood who heard about Jesus and reached out and touched the hem of the garment. There are seemingly, again, small acts that we do and that God will bless. Matthew twelve thirteen. Have a listen now for the small act. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored. Seemingly small act, just stretch out your hand. John 21, 6. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. I, like, I love play on words. I think Jesus was doing a play on words there. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number. The small act was just simply throwing the net from this side to that side. The same ocean, but a different word. It was the word, it was act, acting and obeying the word of God. Same water, but just hang on, move it from here to here. It was an act of obedience. God is into blessing 
our obedience. John 9, 7, Jesus talking, he told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Salem. So the man went and washed. Very simple. Obedience commands the blessing. Doing the seemingly little things as obedience to his word, we will see great things. A more than enough God that we serve. Don't despise the seemingly insignificant small things. The physical acts of obedience that may seem small, when we do them, that's the trust element. That's us stepping out and obeying God. It may not make sense. Whatever you have in your hand that God has put in your hand, decisions that you need to make may not make sense, but they will be confirmed by God's peace. The German was talking about before God's peace that surpasses logic, reason, all understanding, public opinion, people's approval. God's peace surpasses all of that. So, just like Zerubbabel had a temple to rebuild, what's in your hand that you need to do? What is it that you need to rebuild to restore? Is there opposition? Yes, there's a mountain. But the Bible says that those oppositions, those mountains, can be cut down. It may be a business, a ministry, a family, whatever it is. Put it in the hand of the man from Galilee. You have the word of the Lord to comfort you. When the Lord said to Zerubbabel, you will complete it. If Zerubbabel felt a little bit insecure or challenged that he was not able to do the task, all he had to do was remind himself of the word that was spoken to him. And the word was, and you shall complete it. You shall complete it. When we get discouraged with that thing that God has put in our hand, return to the word. What did God say to you? What does the word say in alignment, in accordance to that which God has given you to do? Zerubbabel was rebuilding and restoring the temple. Don't despise the small beginnings. It may be just beginning of getting over an issue. It may be dealing with a, a habit you know, that we don't want in our life. And you're working on it. You're renewing your mind, and that's awesome. But then you slip back. Don't get to the point where you think, oh, everyone's doing it. Oh, oh man, this is too hard. Don't despise that day of small beginnings. Continue to press in to overcome that thing that we're trying to overcome. It may be an addiction. It may be pride. It may be whatever it is. Don't despise the small beginnings. Don't undervalue that journey of getting right, of renewing our mind, humbling ourselves, setting our mind and fixing our eyes on things above. The cause is too great. It's people's eternity. So Zerubbabel was rebuilding and restoring the temple. The Bible says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable here. Part of my life, I'm trying to rebuild this temple. I'm trying to do some scaffolding on this temple. I'm trying to get healthy. And I know it's, going to be, it's not going to be overnight. Definitely not overnight. I wish it was overnight. They say you can take pills and you can get overnight fit. It doesn't work. 
But I know the challenge for me is that the mountains will come, the obstacles will come. Because I was in captivity of McDonald's for many years. <laughs> I was in the McDonald's KFC captivity, and now I'm beginning to return to that place of the former glory. <laughs> but I know that there's opposition. But I know that it's not just by a gym program, not just by willpower, and not just by an awesome trainer, but it's by his spirit. Meaning that I know the purpose behind getting healthy. I know the purpose behind why I need to get this temple reconstructed, do some work on it, you know, get the scaffolding set up and things like that, because it's worth it. And I know there's going to be opposition, but I also know not to despise, not to undervalue the small things, not to undervalue the daily choices to get it right. Do I get it right all the time? No, I slip back. I slip back into the drive-through, you know. (laughs) But then I've got to remind myself, you know, get back on the horse, so to speak. Keep going. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Whatever that is for you, don't despise. Keep on going. Keep on going. Remember the word of the Lord and you shall complete it. You shall complete it. So, how do we put our little things in God's hands? Just be faithful. Continue to be faithful with those things that are in your hand. Continue to honour God with those things. If it's study, for those of you who are studying, honour God with your studies. Honour him with it. If it's family, honour God with your family. This is your workplace. Honour him in your workplace. Put those pens back. <laughs> Log off. <laughs> Do the little things. Do the little things right. Release your faith by acting on them and speaking. Speaking faith. Speaking life. Prophesying over yourself. Speak words of life. Speak the truth. It's so powerful. Trust God at his word. Trust God over your feelings, over your circumstances. Because the feelings and the emotions, as we know, can get the better of us at times. You will ask the team to come back? Yep. Thanks, guys. So number one is have an E for enough faith to get to a place where we can obtain a more than enough faith. And number two is our little in God's hand becomes more than enough. And number three is God has given us more than enough. We've been hearing this morning and tonight that God is the supplier of all our need. All our need. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. He's provision. He has provision for the vision. He has provision for that thing that's in your hand. But if it stays in your hand, it will have limitations. But we put it in the hand of the man from Galilee. That's Jesus. God has given us more than enough love. Romans 5.5 5 talks about that God has given us his love. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. We have that love. Now we have that love, we can love the unloved. It enables us to love all people. God has given us more than enough grace. We have his grace for salvation. We have his grace for strength. You know, his grace is more than sufficient. And we have his grace to 
to steward our giftings. We have grace to serve, to minister, to speak with the ability as God has given us, the oracles. Grace is not a license for us, you know, to get away with things. Grace is there to enable us to change. Grace is there to empower us for transformation. That's what it's there for. It's to enable us to run the race. The word race, we always put the letter G in front of the word race, and that becomes the grace. We need his gifting and his grace to run our race. And he's given us his word. He's given us his word. We got his word. We got the living word. We get rhema word. We got the scriptures, the full counsel of the gospel to instruct us on our living. And he's given us his Holy Spirit, his presence. Acts 1.8 talks about that, you know, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And most of all, he's given us his son. He's given us more than enough by giving us his son. John 3.16, last scripture here. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The most precious and greatest gift that God has given us in a more than enough way is the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. And if it's a gift, which it is, and I know many of us here have received that gift, I want to pray and I want to give an invitation for anyone who would like to receive the ultimate more than enough. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. In other words, he came to give life and life more than enough. That's on both sides of the grave. Not just one side of the grave. That's on both sides of the grave. Let's pray, church. Father God, thank you for your presence in this house. Thank you for your love toward us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your agape, unconditional, unfailing love towards the entire humanity, Father. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for taking upon you, Lord, all of our flaws, Father, and making an opportunity for us, Lord, to have eternal life, Father. Your word says, Lord, that you loved, that God so loved us that he sent us your son, that whoever, whoever believes in you will not perish but will have everlasting life, but will have a more than enough life. We thank you for that tonight, Father. Thank you tonight. And just as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I just want to give an invitation. If there is anyone here tonight like that, and you would like to make a decision, or if you've been walking with God for a while and you just want to make a fresh recommitment to rebuild, to reconstruct, to be reconciled, then if you want to do that tonight, just as a show of hands, just to let me know that who I'm praying for, if there is anyone like that tonight, if you could just raise your hands as I'm about to pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Lord, you're so precious, Lord. You're so beautiful, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your word says, Lord, that there's a party in heaven over every, every sinner who repents and makes a decision and turns, Father. I thank you, Lord, that there's rejoicing tonight because of what you're doing here, Father. Thank you, Lord, for those three people tonight, Lord. And for whoever else didn't respond, Father, I thank you if you made the decision in your heart. You can make a decision tonight. You can make a decision during the week. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm just going to lead you in a prayer and I'd invite the, the rest of the family to join in with me. And if you put your hand up tonight, I want you to especially follow this prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me life more abundantly. Thank you that I'm your child. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you did say yes by just signifying your hand, or if you're going to say yes, you want to say yes later on, it's okay. We have a number on the screen, which is a, a discipleship tool. And it helps us to, to help you by just receiving a text every day, which is a scripture and a prayer based on that scripture. And if you, if you send a yes to that number, which is 048826392, you will get this uh, text every morning for 30 days. You get a free course for 30 days. And after 30 days of receiving these texts, um, there'll be an option for you if you want to enter into a mini-series. The first one, I think, is the Bible, then followed by prayer, Holy Spirit. And it's a great tool to get you started. And, even, and also, you could come back to the hub as well, to the Connect hub, talk to myself or any of the team, generally anyone here, and they would love to come alongside you and, and walk with you and, and however would fit you and I. So yeah, I'm excited for your decision for Christ and excited for the future He has for you, which is a more than enough future that He has for you. Thank you, Lord.